Hi, and welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. My name is Jen, and I am so happy that you're with me today. This podcast is just for you, Mama, because you matter. Each week, I'll be talking with another mama. As most conversations with women go, we'll cover a multitude of topics, but mainly we'll share stories of motherhood, all the ups and downs, lessons learned, and how these mamas practice self-care. So take a seat, fold your laundry, drink your coffee, do your dishes, I know you're multitasking, and listen in. All right, you guys, I just wanted to read a quick review from iTunes. This one is from Acadian22. She says, such a great podcast about the necessity of self-care and the reality of how to implement it into our lives. Thank you so much, Acadian22. And if you would like to do the same and leave us five stars and a short two to three sentence review, that would really be amazing. And it would help us get into the ears of more mamas. I'm so pumped to introduce you to a longtime friend of mine, Liz George. Liz is a military spouse and mama to a beautiful little girl named Reagan. You guys, don't you just love catching up with an old friend? That's what this conversation was. I haven't seen Liz in like 12 years, so it was great to hear more about her life and what she's been up to. We chatted about all things motherhood and a lot about her love of Instacart, as you'll hear. And we spend a ton of time talking about how hard it is to find those lasting and meaningful friendships as a mom and also when you're a military spouse and have to move every two years. Please make sure you listen toward the end because we really go deep into boundaries and learning to forgive yourself. I know you will love her as much as I do. Enjoy my conversation with my friend Liz. Well, hey Liz, welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks, Jen. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to hear your voice. You were just um, catching up here before I hit the record button. Uh, But just so the listeners know, um, I basically grew up with Liz. I've known her since I was probably 15, I want to say. Does that sound right to you? It sounds right. Back yeah. in the high school days in That's South right. Florida. That's right. We were uh, we both were living in South Florida, and Liz started going to the church that I was at, and we basically grew up in our like our youth group together, and had all kinds of fun and shenanigans, toilet papering other people's houses, and <laughs> <laughs> going to summer camps and mission trips and all kinds of fun stuff. So. I really cherish those days, um, you know, as an adult now, and obviously you were in a lot of those moments, so I'm so happy to talk to you and, and just kind of catch up because honestly, I haven't seen you in probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years. It's been a really long time. I have loved following you on the podcast and social media and loved seeing what you've been doing, but it's really great to get to catch up directly as well. Hopefully our paths will physically cross at some point soon. Yes, I hope so. I really do. Well, and I'm really excited to talk to you because I really don't know much about your motherhood story and journey. And you have this beautiful, amazing little girl. And so I can't wait to hear more about that. So why don't you just start by introducing yourself where you live, and a little bit about your family and what you do. Yeah, so I am a military spouse. I just celebrated 10 years of marriage with my husband, who is in the Army. Um, We've had quite an exciting ride over the past decade plus since we've known each other. Uh, And coming up on four years ago, we welcomed our little girl, Reagan, to our family. Um, So we 
actually had a little bit of trouble conceiving our daughter and that was part of our story. And so um, she joined us then and we're very lucky and grateful. Yeah. And where do you guys live? We're in Philadelphia right now. We just moved here this summer. And how are you liking it so far? We've lived a lot of places. We've, as a couple and individually between us and 10 years of marriage, we've moved 10 times. So I have a (laughs) lot of places to compare it to. We're actually living in downtown Philadelphia. So um, it is, yeah, it's deep, real city living though, complete with traffic and dings all over our cars and (laughs) mice. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And all the fun that comes with city living, come to find out. And we've lived in big cities before. Obviously, I grew up in South Florida, and I've lived in Austin and overseas and a lot of other places before. But this is like walk to the grocery store city living, uh, which I've always had the option of driving before. So it's been different. We've had a lot of adjustments over the summer of the moves we've had. This was not the smoothest one we've ever done. Mm. So we're a couple months into it and I still feel like I'm in recovery mode. We haven't quite hit our stride yet, but I'm working on it. I really want to give Philadelphia a chance because there's a lot of cool stuff here. We just haven't had the opportunity to explore much of it yet. Yeah, that's one place I have not been to yet. And that's a place I've really wanted to visit. So I'm interested to hear as you kind of get more settled in and um, explore the city some more, how much you love it. But and hopefully you'll stay there for a little while. <laughs> Two years. Two, Two years. years. Okay. We, yeah, that's our average. I, okay. I have visited the city and from personal experience, it's a delightful place to visit. It's the Great. living that I still need to, yeah. uh, to master and things like that. But I travel quite a bit for work. And so I just physically haven't been home as much as I would have liked to so far. Right. Well, what is the favorite uh place that you have lived so far over the 10 times that you've moved? What's your favorite location? When people ask where my husband and I are from, we <laughs> our default answer anymore is Texas, because uh-huh. technically we, uh, as a couple, are from there. That's where we met and fell in love and our journey together started. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for Texas. Um, I did all my schooling there. I worked there for a while. Uh, it really is one of the places that feels like home. Um, But I can say with honesty, at at least up to Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. um, that I've loved everywhere we've lived in different ways. I think the coolest place we've lived was overseas in Germany. And that was a phenomenal experience and something that you don't get to do very often, just pick up and go live abroad, uh, immerse yourself in another culture. That was amazing. Um, But we've lived up in Michigan and that's really grown as a place we love now. So we've been all over and I usually, I eventually find something that I love about everywhere we land. Yeah. I think that's key, right? To find something that, you know, kind of connects you to that place so that you're not, um, you know, miserable the whole time or wishing you were somewhere (laughs) else. I know just for me, just from my own experience, I've, you know, I've moved just a few times and it's just been, um, that's what I've had to do is kind of like find the thing that you love and uh, hold on to it because it's just, it's hard to move. I mean, it's hard logistically, financially, all the things. And then like, not to mention trying to find a community, friends, you know, schools for your kids, things like that. 
Um, so I think that's, I think that's what you have to do to survive. And I've talked to other, uh, military wives and they've kind of said the same thing. So, so yeah. yeah, well, congratulations on your, on your move. And I hope that you, uh, enjoy it as you, as you grow and explore there. But all right, well, why don't we get back to motherhood and tell us a little bit about your motherhood journey and how it started and where you're at now. Yeah, so I relate to you a little bit, Jen, that um, I wasn't always so sure about motherhood. It didn't, you know, I liked the idea of it, but it also terrified me. Um, so for the first few years of marriage, it wasn't a goal for my husband and I right away, right? We knew we wanted to have children, but we weren't sure when. And the military certainly adds a layer of complication to that. There were deployments and moves and things that just made it feel like it wasn't the right time for us. Um, we moved back from Germany though, and I got back into a career that I loved and had worked really hard to train for. And we decided after I'd been established there a little bit that we did want to start trying for a family. Uh, when the time came though, I struggled. Things were a little bit off when I, you know, when we started trying and, for those who listen to the podcast and some of the people who have been on before, I've explained you don't always, you have to prove that you're not great at having kids before people will help you try to have them, which is a long process. So yeah. we went through a, yeah, we went through a year or so of trying on our own. And then um, luckily with my daughter, it took a few months of testing and trying a few things and eventually some pharmaceutical intervention came through for us and we didn't have to go down some of the more intensive routes. Um, and we were blessed with my daughter, Rankin, who is now almost four and hilarious. <laughs> and I really love having her around. She really brings a lot to our family. Um, and we've been trying to continue adding to our family, but uh, we found that fertility is, again, going to be a struggle for us. So we're actually in the middle of dealing with that now. We've been undergoing treatments around our moving and uh, around my work over the last year or so. And we're hoping uh, that we'll be able to add a sibling to our family at some point for Reagan because she'll be an amazing little Aww. big sister. Yes. That's so exciting. Oh my goodness. Thanks for sharing that. And, and now I know how to pray for you during that time. That's awesome. Um, she you. is beautiful and she looks like you. I mean, like she is your <laughs> twin. It's unreal. I've heard that, but when she was a baby, she, well, first she looks like Robert De Niro, and then she looks exactly <laughs> like my husband, <laughs> who doesn't look anything like Robert De Niro. <laughs> so, so it's been fun to see her grow up, and she's, I mean, she's this little girly girl, but she's also this little sharp, I mean, little girly girls can be sharp and witty too. So she's Absolutely. just a hodgepodge of my husband and I, and we've trained her well um, in terms of, I don't know, our own ambitions. So she's had a couple piano lessons, which are things we didn't have when we were kids. We wish our, you know, we're making sure Reagan's going to have, um, but she loves astronauts and space and oh. Disney and princesses and science and outdoors and she's she's kind of a great mix of both of us which we Aww. love she sounds awesome very well-rounded <laughs> <laughs> we're working she's, on it 
She sounds a lot like my daughter. Sadie loves, um, she, she's really, she can be really girly and she was into princesses, you know, for a very long time. It's just now that she's almost 11 that she's kind of growing out of it, but she loves sports, but she also loves science and space. And so it's really fun to, to see how they, how they grow and what they're interested in. And it's really fun. So I'm so happy for you. She's so cute. I love seeing the posts you make about Sadie and her reading because I was that kid when I was little with my head in a book all the time. And it just, it helps me feel um, like I was a good normal kid too. (laughs) Um, Because I trust that you're raising a good normal kid. Um, I hope so. (laughs) It's funny how intentional you have to be about making sure kids are well-rounded. And I feel like the pressure is dialed up with girls even Mm. more, right? They can't just be pretty and funny. They have to be smart and bold and courageous. And, you know, it feels like the expectations are really high. And that's been one of the things as a mom that you spend a lot of time thinking about. I spend a lot of time worrying about. I spend a lot of time praying about. I spend a lot of time reading and reading Mm -hmm. and reading and reading about. So um, it's, it's hard to make a a well-rounded little girl these days. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I feel the same way. I I think about that all the time. And luckily she seems to be the kind of girl that's not super uh, worried about what people think. She wants to do what she wants to do. She's very, always been very motivated and independent. And um, I was not always like that. And so I just, I see that streak in her and I think, well, she's going to be fine because she is like ready for anything and she, she always loves a challenge. So it's really exciting to watch and just kind of be, you know, the proud, the proud mama. I, I know I can, I can nurture all these things in her, but I didn't do any of that. You know, it's just how she is. So it's just exciting. It's really fun. Um, it really yeah. is. Little girls are fun. <laughs> and as our boys, I will say, I was just talking to someone, um, you know, girls are so cute and the clothes are so adorable. And, you know, everything is, you know, with girls is so easy, easy to find because everything is just so cute. And then boys are just so easy. <laughs> They're just so like easy going and low maintenance. <laughs> and um, so I don't know. I just, both both have their advantages and disadvantages. I will say that boys are messy. And it's stinky. funny. It's <laughs> funny you say that because when I finally did get pregnant, and I know, especially after putting in effort the way we've had to, you you just want a healthy baby. Like that's just yeah. all you want. You want a healthy baby. But in my soul, mm-hmm. I was terrified of having a girl. Oh no. But, yeah, the ultrasound tech who gave us our news and I like waited. I waited an extra week and we could have gotten our ultrasound at like 18 to 20 weeks. And I waited until 21 weeks thinking like, if I'm patient, I'll be rewarded for my <laughs> virtue. <laughs> Turns out that's not how it works. Mm-mm. But <laughs> we we were sitting there and she said, do you want to know the gender? And I said, yes. And she said, it's a girl. And I immediately burst into tears. Oh no, Liz. <laughs> And she left the room and I'm still crying. And I looked at my husband and I went, do you, th- do you think I pulled it off that they're happy tears? <laughs> <laughs> and there was kindness in his eyes when he said, no, no I, don't, I don't think you pulled it. Because <laughs> um, I just, I don't know, in my head, I imagined that I was going to give birth to like a tween that 
was mm. defiant and hated me and we were going to be at odds. And I don't know why I built up this picture in my head because it wasn't like I was like that necessarily with my mom, but I just had this picture of being terrified of my daughter. <laughs> um, and, and I was really relieved when I, in fact, gave birth to a baby right. who I could <laughs> not be, I mean, terrified of, but in totally different ways and, and have didn't realize how enjoyable some of these years and growth and how much she would just love me like mm. unconditionally uh that was really an amazing transition for us when she started to show those kinds of emotions um so luckily my fears were unfounded but I was convinced when I was pregnant that I could only raise a boy like that that was the only thing that I could pull off and oh. um so far so good with the girl but we'll see when she's a tween and right. my like my fears were founded in something real. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the mom of a tween, because she is almost 11, uh, oh. I can say that it's, it has, she has her moments for sure. Um, but most of the time she is, you know, her normal sweet self, but there are definitely mornings where she comes down and you do not want to talk to her or get on her bad side or, you know, and she <laughs> most, mostly takes it out on her um, brothers, but but yeah, I mean, it's going to come, but you, but you enjoy this right now because even she said she's about to be four. That's my favorite age um, of like the, that kind of that time of life, you know, after babies and stuff. Um, I feel like four is just so much fun because they're kind of out of that three-nager, terrible, <laughs> like tantrum throwing phase. And now she's, you know, going to be, I don't know, it's just more fun and more connection and communication and my youngest is four now and he's four and a half. And so, um, it's my favorite age that he's been so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, all my friends that have had babies in recent years, at least probably, probably since my daughter turned two or so, I joke that I like my toddlers so much more than I ever liked my baby, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like a terrible thing to no. say, but I, I say it from a place of like, if it's hard when they're little, that is okay they grow into little people who become hilarious and fun and have their own quirks and you go through phases but I agree I really like I really like this time more than any other time before like I feel like every day she's in she's learned something new or says something totally articulate that I didn't <laughs> even know she understood the meaning of and maybe she doesn't but it sounds adorable it's, it's a <laughs> lot of fun I know. It's so fun. I'm so, so excited for you. Um, so tell us kind of a funniest mama story that you have had so far. Maybe it's something that Reagan has done, or maybe it's something that you did that was like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> uh, what's a funniest mama story that you have so far? Oh, so I had thought of a billion of these mm -hmm. and then I wasn't sure which one I should actually share. Um, <laughs> we, we travel quite a bit um, and uh, like to get out as much as we can, but I had not had the guts to take our daughter on a cruise ship until earlier this year. And my husband and I love cruising. It's like our favorite way to vacation or one of our favorite ways to vacation. And so we decided um, to join his parents on a cruise and we brought Reagan along and we're really looking forward to all of these wonderful, happy memories. And once I got over my fear of my daughter, just going over 
the side of a balcony on the <laughs> ship, which was certainly something that ran through my mind sure. times uh, leading up to it. Um, we realized that she was, she's gotten too big for a pack and play. She's very tall. My husband is six, five. I am five, two. Luckily she favors him, but it means that she's always been tall and pack and plays weren't really going to be an option for the cruise ship. So she was going to sleep on the bed, like just the couch, the bed. Um, And I don't know how she did it. I still haven't quite figured it out, but in my mom paranoia, like the, you know, they come and they make up the little bed. It looks so cute. has a little towel animal. We've brought her blanket and we've got her sound. We've got everything needed for her to go to sleep, but she hadn't transitioned to sleeping in a big girl bed at home yet. So I was like jerry rigging our suitcases up against (laughs) chairs to try to make sure that she just had something to lean up against. If she rolled, I figured I made sort of this wall with a chair and figured she'll be fine and safe. And sure enough, we got through the first night and she was great and we thought we were good. And the second night I wake up to the most blood curling scream in the middle of the night. I don't, I still have not figured out how she managed to it, but she had rolled out of the bed all the way to the other side of the wall and found herself lost on the floor in a strange bedroom. (laughs) And I just thought, you know, the best laid plans and all that work. And somehow she Houdini'd her way (laughs) out of our makeshift bed, which meant that when we got back home, I was like, well, we can't do the big girl bed yet. So we waited (laughs) even longer until we moved before we transitioned her to a big girl bed. And when we did it, I still bought something that had little rails on it because I just... (laughs) I, I just wasn't convinced that she wasn't supernatural and couldn't just like float herself over the edge of something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That must have been so terrifying to be like, how in the world did you get over there? Yeah. <laughs> Aw, that's funny. Um, I still wonder about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what What was she thinking? What was she doing? Um, my crazy. son is. We're really lucky. She's the kid that won't leave her bed until we come get her. It's oh. actually getting to be kind of annoying because she's in a big girl bed and <laughs> right. she wanted to get out and play with her toys on a Saturday morning. By all means, right? Mama could use 20 more minutes of sleep. Yes. But she's the kind of kid that, like, waiting for us to come in and, and get her and let, tell her it's time to start the day. And we're just like. <laughs> Oh, the ups and the downs, right? Yeah. Oh, she's so cute. Um, so I know that you said that you travel a lot for work. And um, so I don't know if you have if you have one of these ready to, to talk about. But one question that I always like to ask is about like tried and true recipes or a certain meal plan tip that you love, because I feel like we all need a little extra help in that department. That's one of the, I love, absolutely love cooking, but I hate the planning part. (laughs) And so um, I always am looking for some kind of tip or some kind of like recipe that everyone loves. That's always a hit, things like that, that I can just kind of set myself up for success. Um, So, do you have something like that? Do you have like a recipe you always use and love or a meal plan tip that you can share? So I will say that city living has, we lived in a pretty big city. We were just outside of DC last year. So it was convenient to get to the grocery store. We could walk or drive to it. Um, But here in Philadelphia, I've really come to appreciate 
feel like I'm copping out on this ask a little bit because I'm about to tell you the glory of Instacart, which may not come to Franklin. <laughs> oh, no. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that has transformed my life because <laughs> I am not a great planner ahead. And at our daughter's daycare, we have to pack her lunch where the daycares we've had her in previously have always provided their breakfast and their lunch. And so we not only have to feed her breakfast before we get out the door, but we have to pack her lunch. And I realize that sounds like probably very normal to every other mom out there, but it was a <laughs> tough transition for me. Yeah. It felt like I really jumped the leap in my parenting requirements. <laughs> uh, and so Instacart has saved me multiple times. And so especially living in the city where the stores around us aren't always open late when I have realized like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to pack for her lunch tomorrow, unless I'm going to make something fresh, which of course I'm always missing an ingredient because mm -hmm. I never have my life together. Uh, <laughs> Instacart is just my savior. That's, that's my life hack right now. And then we're just in a season where a lot of fresh made meals and things like that are, I'm always coming or going. My husband's schedule is a bit um, fluid right now where sometimes he's around a lot and sometimes he's a lot busier. And so we also kept our Costco membership and bought a deep freezer that we keep in our garage here. Mm. And it's not convenient to get to Costco, but like once a month, we'll trek all the way out to the suburbs, <laughs> fill up our car with as much as we can fit and bring it home and just having like those frozen vegetables and frozen meals and just making sure that it's something I can throw together in a pinch um, has been a real help. And then Instacart saves me whenever I've forgotten something really That's important awesome. on our Costco run. So yeah. I don't have like a homegrown hack. I have uh, an outsourcing hack. I will. love it. No, I love it because I think that that's just kind of how life is right now. Like, I think that grocery delivery and pickup is the greatest invention um, ever made. And I wish that I had it here, but I do not. And I don't know if we'll ever get it. <laughs> um, we even have Walmart, but our Walmart doesn't do the pickup. So oh. I know, I know you can feel really sorry for me. Um, <laughs> so what I do, uh, is I've started ordering those, um, subscription boxes um, yeah. that, that come with, you know, the meals and then I cook them because like I said, I love cooking. Like that's not a problem for me. Um, it's, it's the problem of planning and having to go to the store and blah, blah, blah. So now when I get groceries, I don't have to get, you know, for a family of five, like 200 plus dollars worth of groceries. Um, I only get like about half of that because I don't have to buy meat and I don't have to buy, you know, a lot of extra things. And then the box comes and it has three meals inside and three is really all we need because I can supplement one or two here and there. We eat leftovers and our kids have soccer practice multiple nights. So I'm not always home making dinner. So it's been really nice for us because, um, that's brilliant. Yeah. Just for this like season of life right now, it's been really, really great. And that's, that's basically my answer to not having any, um, you know, Instacart or shipped or any of those types of lovely things. <laughs> um, Do so. you find that if the portions are good, I know you mentioned you supplement, which is really important. I feel like my husband, we've done one or two of those, but it was years ago before they, there were so many options. And mm -hmm. I think he always felt like they were very controlled portion sizes, which I was a fan of, but he was like, right. I have three more. 
<laughs> no, Joel, Joel can be a big eater when he wants to be. And so we get the one that's for a family of four. I mean, basically it's like four servings, but since mm -hmm. our youngest, um, he's, he's not like a great eater. I mean, he, obviously I'll feed him, but, but he's not like, he doesn't need a, a whole serving. And then Sadie and Everett really like they share one serving, you know? So they don't yeah. just, they just don't require a ton of it. And if they don't really, you know, I try to pick meals because I can pick the menu ahead of time. And so I try to pick meals that I know everyone's basically going to love. <laughs> I do my best. Um, but if I know they're not going to eat it and I just don't feel like, you know, making a big deal out of it, like we'll just make something easy, you know, breakfast for dinner or, you know, chicken nuggets, whatever, no shame. Um, so, oh, so I love yeah. breakfast for dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. It's the best. I, I did not grow up eating um, breakfast for dinner. Did you? No, I don't think I did either. No, my dad would not allow that. <laughs> my dad is, he's a meat and potatoes guy and he would, he's like breakfast is for breakfast and dinner is for dinner. Like that's it. He, he still won't, he still won't do it. Um, now that you say that, I think it might be my thing because I feel like I only do breakfast for dinner if it's just going to be Reagan and I. Oh, um, it's just something and easy. And that might come from... Yeah. And that might come from all the times. I mean, this was before Reagan, but when my husband was deployed, I can't tell you how many times they ate breakfast for dinner when he was deployed, just because it was the easiest thing that I could make myself yeah. without, without having to feel like I wasted a lot of food in the process. Because when you cook for multiple people, it's fine because there's leftovers, but just cooking for one person or one or two people is I don't know, it's sometimes harder than cooking for all, your whole family. So yeah. I feel like when it's just Reagan and I, breakfast for dinner is probably my go-to because we can both eat and I don't feel like I'm wasting a ton of food. Yeah. And then you can eat leftovers too. Like if we make pancakes and we have some leftover, then just eat them the next morning. You know, it's great. Yeah. Yes. I love it. The sponsor of this podcast is the Mama Needs Subscription Box. It is a monthly curated self-care box just for mamas. Our mission is to help mamas remember to put themselves on their to-do list and remind them that they matter. Each box is filled with four to six items every month, gifts, self-care tools, and products all packed and done for you. Every month is a new and relevant theme. Some of our past themes have been Mama Needs Peace, Mama Needs Chocolate, Mama Needs a Spa Day, and more. The boxes are $39.99 plus shipping, but you can get free shipping on your very first box by using the code PODCAST at checkout. Just go to mamaneedsbox.com. All right, now back to our conversation. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about self-care. So, you know, I know that you've You've been a mom for four years now, and so you've probably seen how self-care or lack thereof has, can affect your well-being, can affect the way that you mother, and just yourself in general. Um, and I know that you also travel a lot, so I'm really curious kind of how you feel about self-care, like what you think it means to you, and, and then what you've found that you enjoy doing that will fill you up. That's an amazing question. And I love how much of a focus it's been. And I love how much you and your box and everything about mama needs promotes that because I think I've come to realize, especially as a mom, how important it is. Mm -hmm. But I've also come to realize how incredibly difficult it is. Yeah. Um, and I've been fortunate to actually 
study self-care in some of the professional work that I've done um, in research with patients and in talking with physicians. I work in healthcare pharmaceutical market research, and it's not always talked about as, quote, self-care when you're dealing with you know, medical professionals are talking to patients about their experience with the disease, but it's the same thing, right? It's the idea of prioritizing what you need to feel like the best version of yourself. And that changes all the time. When I, when Reagan was a little baby, I needed sleep. Like that's all I needed. Mm. Having a spa day would have been more trouble than it was worth, right? I would have rather just slept for two straight hours than done anything related to making myself look better. Absolutely. Um, Right. But now that she's a little older and a little bit more self-sufficient, I do find that doing some of those things that when I look better, I feel better. And so I try to take the time to have those moments that are just to myself or bring my daughter along to those moments if it's something she can participate in now and we can bond over it. But, you know, things like getting our nails done, which sounds like such a small, trivial thing. But for me, if no other part of me is put together, if I've got a manicure, then at least I can look down and feel like that's put together. And it's really weird because I'm sure nobody else sees it. Nobody else is ever looking at my hands. But I but do. That's, it, it matters for you. It matters to, it makes you feel good about yourself. And that's, that's really all that matters there. Yeah. And it also, it's weird because doing my, I was never into doing my nails, but it, I, I developed not long after Reagan was born, a bit of a nervous tick. I was picking at my mm-hmm. skin a whole lot to the point that like my nail beds were raw and like my fingers were raw. And I was actually really ashamed of them because I felt again, nobody's ever looking at my fingers, right? But every time I would look down, I would be reminded of that anxiety and I would be reminded of how it was manifesting. And it was kind of this like mocking me, like, oh, you should get this under control, but I couldn't. And I actually found that when I, I think I I tried um, the kind of manicure that lasts for like three weeks, it's the powder um, dip manicure. And they really do stay if it's done well for about three weeks. And when I had that done, I wasn't picking as much. And I don't know if I was less anxious or not, but just not having that, that physical sign, um, you know, it meant, I think that I was finding other outlets for dealing with my anxiety, as opposed to taking it out on myself subconsciously. And so for me, a part of making that into my routine is making sure that I, you know, I'm taking care of myself in a way that, um, makes me feel more secure, makes me feel like I'm dealing with my anxiety in more positive ways. It reminds me to deal with my anxiety in more positive ways because um, I can't pick at right. my fingers anymore. So, Oh, that's so good. That's such a good, like, yeah. tangible way to think of it. I love that. And I love yeah. that you also mentioned about um, ways to incorporate Reagan into self-care because uh, we don't talk about that enough, but you know, I don't think that self-care is only, only for you. You know, I feel like, like if, if, if you can do something with your kids that also will fill you up and fills them up, then it's a win-win situation. Um, and so Sadie and I, we love to 
go get our nails done together or, um, you know, go shopping together, things like that, where we're, we're both getting filled up at the same time and getting some nice one-on-one mother-daughter time is always, always uh, a plus. So I love that you brought that up too. That's really good. That's so true because I am gone from my family so much for work. Uh, some of my self-care doesn't always look like it from the outside, but for me, taking my daughter shopping for a whole day or just spending the day with her, it, it, it does fill me up. It is because I feel like I'm having to make up for some of the time that I miss during the week when I might not be around or some of the moments that I might miss. Yeah. And so like, you know, when we talk about planning vacations and stuff, my husband, the question is always, you know, do we bring Reagan or not? Do we bring mm-hmm. the kid or not? Um, and he tends to lean towards, it would be nice for us to have some time. And I always tend to lean towards, but what if we brought her? I thought it would be, you know, it would be so great to <laughs> all be together. Because for me, having us all together is what I miss out on and what I'm hoping to get more of. So yeah, um, we try that. to strike a balance there. But yeah. It's true. Like sometimes kids are part of self-care, right? I love a good Disney movie. So (laughs) it's Friday night is veg out with pizza and a movie night. And we watch the same cartoon movie for the 20th umpteenth time. (laughs) That's actually like, I'd rather do that than almost anything else on any given Friday night, especially because I don't have to wear real pants. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I totally agree. That's one of my favorite things. Usually Friday night is movie night and pizza night at our house too. So that's so fun. Um, Let's talk about friendship because um, I know, especially since you have moved a ton and, uh, you know, I've only moved a few times, but that's been a very important part of, of my life, especially uh, when I started, you know, becoming a mother, um, was finding those friendships, finding that community that would just, I think community is also a huge part of self-care, uh, finding those people that you can trust and talk to, finding friends for your kids. Um, and hopefully you get along with the parents as well. (laughs) Um, you know, just trying to find, uh, find those people that you can rely on and just kind of like cultivate those friendships. It can be really difficult for a lot of people. So as someone who has moved a ton, um, and now has a child in the mix, how have you cultivated friendship? I, I'm not sure I will have a ton to say that will help anybody because it's probably something that I struggle with the most when it Mm. comes to our moving. Um, It's one of the hardest parts about uh, a more mobile lifestyle. And I've been really lucky that I have long-term friendships that location doesn't matter, right? Because we can text and email and Marco Polo and whatever the billion ways they have to keeping in touch we do. Um, and I'm really grateful for those people, but that doesn't always help when, you know, you're in a new city and everything turns upside down and you could use somebody physically there right then. Um, those are the moments that I think are really difficult. And I think one of the reasons why we haven't felt really settled in Philadelphia yet is just because we're still in that transition and we haven't found that community quite yet. Um, My husband's in a school program here and uh, we're definitely on the older side of the student population a lot Mm -hmm. by a lot. Um, (laughs) Not a lot of the student population is married and even fewer have 
children too. So there's a lot of opportunities for everybody with kids to get together. We've been trying to be part of those activities that are put together by the school or by our neighborhood or things like that. But it feels like we're still in that awkward feeling everybody out phase. Yeah, yeah. Before, and it's, I think the hardest part, and I've talked to other moms who can kind of relate to this, is how do you convert somebody from that person you see at the park or that Mm -hmm. person you run into at events to an actual friend? Mm -hmm. That's, I I have not quite figured out the the right way to do it. I stumble through it and I'm pretty awkward about it, but it feels like dating. Yeah. Turns out it's horrible, (laughs) but you know, you have to be discerning about the people you spend time with because we have such little time, right? I have such little time with my family that I just don't want to waste a lot of time on people that aren't going to click with us or aren't Mm going to, you know, be those friends. Um, But at the same time, I'm really eager to meet new people and connect with other people. And so there's, um, a degree of vulnerability that yes. is required yep. every time we go through this process. And that vulnerability is really exhausting and yeah. it takes a lot out of me. Um, there's an author I love called Brene, named Brene Brown. She's, oh yeah. I love Brene Brown. Uh, right. She's a genius. And as a qualitative researcher, which is what I do for a living, Brene Brown, if you're listening, I would come work for you in a heartbeat, even though I would be terrible at it. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh, I would love if Brene was listening. (laughs) Brene, if you are listening, I'm a huge fan girl and would hire my girl in research. But I've actually been reading um, a lot of her books lately and um, her Netflix special is like my go-to background Uh (laughs) noise anymore because I'll just love listening up and her wisdom being imparted. But what she says about the power of vulnerability is so true. Um, We moved to Germany and I didn't know a soul. And it was my first time in in an environment where we were living with all the people that my husband was working with, which is really intimidating. And there's a lot of etiquette and structure and things like that to learn. And I was truly terrified of putting my foot in my mouth. Um, But the friendships that I did forge there were forged entirely out of vulnerability because the people that I connected with were people who were in the same spot the same moment of time. And we have these shared experiences through our exposure to the military, through the deployment that our families were preparing for, through being picked up and put in another country. And I look back and I think about some of the deep conversations that I had with some of these women on like the first day we met. And and I don't know if there's a way to duplicate that mm. exquisite vulnerabilities, but we were all in it and we were all just willing to pour ourselves into each other. Yeah. Uh, and it made for some really, really meaningful connections. I mean, some of those people are the people that I still can text or call on a dime when I'm in trouble, even if we haven't talked for months because we just have such strong relationships and, mm. and I would love to continue building those. I, I'm not going to find those everywhere we live. Um, That's just part of the reality. And it still requires a little bit of vulnerability to find those casual friends and ask for somebody's number, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
um, and and convert those acquaintances into actual friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're still in that phase of of figuring out who our people are going to be in Philadelphia. And I think that is when it will click for us is when I do find those people we have common ground with, and we do put effort into um, building those friendships and sharing who we really are, which is frankly a hot mess (laughs) um, (laughs) all the time. Uh, But that's what I have to be willing to let people see um, in order for them to really get to know me. So it's exhausting, but it's gratifying at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing all that. You're right. It's, it takes vulnerability. Um, And I always think, you know, gosh, I'm such a hot mess. Gosh, my house is never clean. Like I can never invite people over because of, you know, such and such, whatever. I can't get it together. And, um, I just always think, well, I'm pretty sure all of my friends feel exactly the same way. (laughs) Like I'm pretty sure that we're all a hot mess. And so I feel like that, that there's, there's safety in that, you know, because, um, we're all the same in that way. Like we're all just really trying to to keep it together and (laughs) appear that we have it together when, you know, maybe inside we really don't. Um, but that, and and then when you find those people, like that's when you can share, you know, like I don't have it all together and like, this is what I'm struggling with and things like that. Um, I know for me, when I, when we moved here, we knew two people, um, two people that you also know, Chris and Emily. Um, oh. and so <laughs> we knew those were the two people we knew. Of course they were, you know, some there's, they are some of our best friends. And so it was really great, um, because it was more like family. Um, but yeah. also we're joining them in their life that's already established in a place. And so mm-hmm. it was difficult, um, you know, they would introduce us to people, but it was difficult to, to kind of get in. And then, and then you think about um, moving to a really small town where everybody knows every, everybody and everyone's related in some way. Uh, and they've all grown up here their whole lives. And so that's hard. That's hard. That's a hard dynamic to kind of join in on. But what I have found just in my, in my own experience is uh, like, living actual life with people is I think where, where that conversion happens of, you know, just acquaintances to actual friends and getting their phone numbers and stuff. I just found that like when I did life with people, which I know that's so cliche, but I just don't know how else to, to word it. But like, um, you know, you're going through a hard time with someone like, um, bringing them dinner, like building that trust up, um, calling them, texting them, checking on them, things like that. I just feel like when, when push comes to shove and when, um, circumstances and life and, you know, uh, complications and things like that happen to those people that we're, you know, kind, we kind of know, and then we're kind of in like, we're kind of in that with them. I just feel like that grows our trust between between them, and uh, that's when I have always found that uh, you know that that trust becomes something more than just you know acquaintance. We become like actual friends and someone that they can call to to talk to about things or connect with. And of course, if our friend if our kids get along, and that's always a plus. Um, 
because we always have that. And I always feel like, you know, if I'm having a play date with a mom that I don't know very well, but the kids are playing well and I can think of things to talk about, then I, then we're golden, you know, and we can, if we can connect, <laughs> if we can connect in some way, um, then I feel like it gets, you know, like inches closer to that, like more realm of friendship than just acquaintance. I don't know. So that's, that's so that's so true. Brene would be really proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brene. Uh, One yeah, of her um, things, though, is that trust is built in those small moments. Like, you yeah. earn trust in the smallest of moments. It's not about big gestures, and it's not mm-hmm. about, like, big deeds. It's about paying attention to people and listening and just genuinely being willing to be present with them in a yeah. moment and show empathy and compassion and yeah. interest. Yeah, and that's a way more concise way of what I said. Yes, that's that's oh, perfect. <laughs> I was as we were talking, I was thinking about one of our moves was to Michigan. We moved from Germany to Michigan where we'd never been before. It was our mm. first time there. We didn't know a soul, and I was hired at the firm that I'm still at now. Um, and there was a group of younger, you know, kind of the young folks in the company all hung out, and it was those people that did it was the tiniest things like pushing me to like hey come out on Thursday with us we're going out after work or hey you know we're gonna we're gonna go out to lunch do you want to come with us or just stopping by and chatting with them and it was through all of those small moments that at a time in my life where I felt totally isolated and totally Mm -hmm. alone those things made such a difference and the relationships that I built with those people at that company now are what have kept me there. I mean, and I've moved all over the country That's <laughs> awesome. starting to work there. And those friendships are some of the ones that keep me genuinely satisfied in the work that I do every day and keep me motivated to do a job that takes me away from my family, which is my one constant in life. Um, but it's because those relationships and that trust was built in such small ways early on that that I knew when the big things came around and they did, I had my baby since I've known these people and worked for this company and I've had family emergencies and devastating things happen. Um, and just the trust that we established from those tiny, tiny, tiny things mm. really adds up to know that I, even though they may not be physically located with me, I have that, that work community that is there to support me through that part of my life, which has been amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome that you have that. And yeah, everything you said is exactly how I feel. Like just the the vulnerability, the little small moments, things like that. Um, And it really does take work on both sides because um, if, you know, I've been in situations where I've, I've been the one initiating, initiating, trying, 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 and the other person's not. And so eventually I'm I'm like, I get the hint. Okay. You know, (laughs) and maybe they don't mean it that way, but that's just who they are. Well, it's just too exhausting for me. And I get uh, like, I wrap my feelings too much in it. I'm, I wear my feelings on my sleeve most of the time. So you pretty much know how I'm feeling, <laughs> but if, um, you know, and then I just have to stop. And, and if they, you know, if they're really invested and they want to, um, you know, take it, take it further then I have to just rely on them to do it. Uh, Cause I can only go so far and then I'm done. <laughs> I can't do anymore. That's true. Setting those limits, though, is, I mean, 
I feel like uh, Brene, I promise I'm not trying to rip you off, but one of the <laughs> things that she talks about as a cornerstone of being vulnerable is still setting those boundaries, right? Because if we just laid ourselves bare all the time, people would take and take and take and there would be nothing left of us for ourselves or the people we love. Yeah. And the fact is that boundaries matter. They're mm-hmm. important and you have to think one of the best things we can do for ourselves as people, as self-care, however you want to describe it, is just to put those lines in the sand and and stay behind them when you need to, because it it can be really exhausting to continue putting yourself out there. Um, and at some point, you you just have to you just have to kind of like you described in the military, they say cut swing load, right, <laughs> and, <laughs> and call it and and you'll and just trust the process and trust that as long as you continue to allow yourself to be vulnerable, allow yourself to feel that empathy with other people and, and look for those connections that you'll find those that will fit within your boundaries and that will fit with your lifestyle and that will be forgiving and give you grace to be the hot mess that you are. Absolutely. I love that. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, we are going to wrap it up. And the last question that I always ask on the podcast, because I feel like it's just great to get back to basics, back to the beginning where we started. Um, And then just for any new moms that are listening, I just love, you know, these little nuggets of wisdom that we can kind of put out there for them. But if you could give advice to a brand new mama, what would it be? Um, A brand new mama. Um, Yes. A lot of people, when I was a brand new mom, carrying around a little teeny tiny baby (laughs) in her giant car seat, um, (laughs) told me, oh, enjoy these moments. Just soak it up. And uh, I will never tell that to a new mom because Mm -hmm. I think that hearing that when you are in the throes of upheaval, of sleeplessness, of panic and anxiety and time, it's it adds another layer of pressure. Like, oh, I'm, I haven't slept in three days and I have all these things to do and this little person totally depends on me and I have to enjoy it. That, right. that just adds, <laughs> suddenly you're failing at all of those things and you're not enjoying it and it feels like a double failure. So I think the hardest thing that I dealt with in those early years, and it's something that continues as I've grown as a mother, is um, being forgiving to yourself I mean, you have to forgive others, right? You have to forgive your spouse for the times that they drop the ball. You have to forgive your family for the times where they say the wrong thing or aren't there when you need them. You have to forgive your friends for the busy lives that they lead and um, the forgiveness that you extend to everybody else around you, you also have to extend to yourself. I mean, that's, I think, one of the hardest things to do because if anybody is, their own worst critic, it's a mom, right? We are all, we're too well read and we're too (laughs) well informed anymore. And we know all the ways that it could and should be. And there's so many times where that's not going to match up to what it just is. Yeah. And just extend yourself forgiveness in those moments because wondering and beating yourself up isn't going to make it any better and it isn't going to make you a better mom. Um, or a better person, um, 
I love that. Uh, it, it would just be to forgive yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Extending forgiveness to yourself, extending grace to yourself. I think those are all super important things. And I love that you said we're too well read. That's so true. <laughs> if we know too much, <laughs> like I read some of the craziest articles that, you know, like I don't even always read the whole article. I'll just read the headline and be like, I don't want to know about this. Like who put this in my feed? You know what I mean? <laughs> I found it bizarrely comforting, especially in those early months where I would, I would open my phone, whatever panicky moment I was having <laughs> about whatever my kid was doing in that moment. And I would start to type four months old can't or four <laughs> months old eating and Google. I mean, nine times out of 10 Google auto got it right. Whatever. Ever I was going through, and I thought to myself, <laughs> every time it happened, I was like, well, at least I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> There's some other weirdos who Googled this as well, yeah. <laughs> this can't just be my problem, and there was a little bit of grace in that moment that I really appreciated from what can otherwise be the really overwhelming access to everything, right? Uh -huh. There's an opinion on everything. Whatever you believe, yep. you can find someone that agrees with you and a reason to back it up. And that can just be so intimidating. And mm -hmm. once you've read 12 different opinions and have to make a decision, I'm the kind of person where if I know the 12 different ways it could go and the one that I chose doesn't work out, I am extra hard on myself mm -hmm. for not having gone with ways two through 11 instead. Um, and those are the moments where I really have to remind myself, like it was decision you made the most informed choice you could in the moment. Yeah. It didn't work out. Forgive yourself and move on. Move on. Take the next yeah. step. Yeah, that's so key. I love that. Move on. <laughs> that was something that I, that I definitely struggled with of like, you know, beating myself up over something in motherhood and then just being like, you know what? You're like, just what you said. Forgive yourself. Move on. You, you, but you made the best decision you could in the moment with the information that you had. Like that's it. So, yeah. Yeah, totally, I love that. Well, Liz, you are awesome. I have loved catching up with you. I always loved our talks when, uh, when we were kind of growing up and as teenagers. I always loved chatting with you, and so just reminded me how much I miss that and how much I love it. And, oh, um, well, thanks, Jen. I'm yeah. really excited for this journey that you're on. It's been, you're an incredible example to lots of moms out there, hot mess and all. Um, <laughs> you're, I promise you're more together than me on any given day. And you've got <laughs> way more kids than I do. It's <laughs> part of it. So I'm in awe of all the things you're doing and really appreciate what you're doing for other moms in terms of just being a reminder for self-care. Because... Mm -hmm. um, uh, just hearing that you need to and hearing that it doesn't have to be something major or massive that it's found in the little things um, is such an important message so thanks for what you're doing thanks Liz you're so kind <laughs>